Usually, you know, I spend most of my days going hunting solely for the purpose of enjoying nature itself, regardless of if I kill something that day or not. It's the fact that I was out there enjoying nature, listening to the casual bird chirp, maybe the occasional frog croak. But other than that, it's a good time. I think hunting is really cool because you get to experience nature. And even when you aren't during season, hunting season, you get to have something to do by checking trail cams and monitoring the animal activity on your property. And I think it's something that's very cool and kind of keeps you in touch with nature. Welcome to An Idiot's Guide to Everything Hunting, a podcast where we discuss anything and everything to do with hunting across the globe. I am your host, Eddie Castles, a high school senior and Eagle Scout who grew up hunting both birds and big game in the southeast United States. I'll use a combination of my hunting knowledge and my skill to look up things on the internet to provide you with an interesting and informative listen about hunting as a whole. I also will have various guests and co-hosts on to share stories and experiences outside of my own and to provide y'all listeners with another voice to hear than just mine. I hope y'all stick around and learn a few things as we get going on this journey together. I'm here with Mr. Jeff Pylon, a family friend who is an avid hunter in the Southeast. Mr. Pylon attended Charlotte Country Day School and then went on to play lacrosse at Ohio State University and is now the owner of Pylon Properties, LLC. Along with this, he's a lacrosse coach for Country Day and a part of the family behind the Belk Learning Center. Today, I will be going in depth with him on his journey with hunting, including how he got into it and some of his favorite moments collected throughout his time in the sport. Once again, thanks for joining us in the studio, Mr. Pylon. Getting started, having been a Country Day alumni yourself, what were you like in high school? Was hunting a big part of your life still, or were you more focused on things like academics or athletics? Well, hey, uh, Edison, thanks for having me here. Um, you know, I will tell you, I, I, we had a quick uh, talk before. You know, my experience kind of coming to Country Day was coming in the end of my junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. That was a very hard transition for a, a, a kid at that age. So hunting really wasn't in my kind of purview at that time. It was more or less sports and trying to get acclimated to this area. So I would tell you that lacrosse and football really helped me get acclimated to country day at that point in time. So so what positions did you play? So on lacrosse field, I was a close defenseman. And uh, in football, I played cornerback and a little bit of safety. And so if you didn't get into hunting when you were in high school, how did you get into hunting? Was it something you started doing when you were going into college or maybe later on in life? Yeah, I I went a couple of times growing up with my father when I was young up in the upstate New York area. We just went out a little bit of bird hunting, but Never really did much past the age of 10. Didn't have a lot of opportunity to get around it. And I will tell you, when I went to college, it's really why I had my opportunity and I was exposed to it um, with some roommates and teammates of mine. Uh, one in particular, he was from the Columbus area, and we were sitting there in the middle of, I guess it was probably January. We were in the middle of winter ball. And he said that he was going out with his lacrosse coach, who was a local guy. It'd be like Brad Tuma taking one of his guys now out. And he said, hey, I'm going to go duck hunting this Saturday. And me and my other roommate and teammate were like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. What's the story? He goes, oh, we do it all the time. It's opening up in a week. And he goes, why don't you guys come and try it out? So we go, wow, that'd be great. He goes, I've got some shotguns. You guys come on out. We'll, we'll try it out. So we went out, and it was a great experience. I mean, it was freezing. We weren't dressed properly. We had no idea what we were doing. We couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. But we did kill a couple ducks. And I remember it was exciting. We brought them back and cleaned them all, and even cooked them up. Neither one of us knew how to cook, but we were so excited. It was the best day, tasting uh, duck we've ever probably made and ever will make because of what we put into it, that experience. Yes, sir. I think one of the big things that I find valuable in duck hunting is just sitting in the, 
in the blind with the guys that you're with for hours on end. Share some really interesting stories and can really kind of come together and create some chemistry, even if you don't know them that well, which it didn't sound like was the case for you, but I'm sure it also was a great way to create some team chemistry in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a little bit of everything. It got me interested in hunting, and then I would tell you that from that point on, I was hooked. And then from my when I you know, graduated from college and came back to the southeast here in Charlotte, I got together with folks in our business. I was in sales, and we had a lot of customers who loved hunting. And it was a way for me. I wasn't a great golfer. I didn't really care for golfing, but I gravitated towards these guys who liked hunting, and we, a couple of us at our company said, hey, let's try to schedule a couple hunting trips a year with these guys, take them out to various places, and that'll be a way of bonding with them, and we can all do something we love. And to your point, just having that camaraderie around you know, the fire and hanging out around dinner and talking about our story that day of who, who got what, who saw what, who missed something, which is amazing. I mean, I know when I was younger and I would see my dad go for a weekend with some of his friends on a duck hunting trip, I was always so jealous just because I knew it was in store and I always wanted to be with him. Moving on, so in the past, what kind of hunts have you really enjoyed or like have there been any that stuck out above the rest or really do you have a favorite animal to hunt? Yeah, um, I, I predominantly do a lot of deer hunting here. With, you know, I'm fortunate that I've got some land around the Charlotte area. I say Charlotte area, you know, in a couple counties away within an hour. Um, so I do a lot of deer and turkey hunting there. Um, but I would tell you, I've done all kinds of stuff. I go, with a, I go on an annual trip, other than this last year with COVID, every October to Canada. And it kind of, you know, bring back my days of going to Ohio State and, play, and, and, and shooting ducks and geese. And we go every year in Canada and shoot ducks and geese for about 10 days with a bunch of guys, probably four buddies I've been doing for 15 years. And that's just wonderful. Um, just need to get out there, see all the animals migrating, um, and just the numbers of, you know, ducks and geese flying in one area. It's, it's pretty impressive. So that's always been a fun one for me. Uh, a lot of deer, a lot of turkeys here locally, so I'm, I'm more versed on those. I've gone on a couple cool trips out in um, both bow and rifle in uh, Colorado and done some elk hunting. Haven't had success. Actually, have missed a couple out there, unfortunately. But as you know, that's part of hunting. Yes, sir. And so that actually leads me into my next question. I was going to say, I've heard you've been out to Colorado a couple of times with Patrick Hobson. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> On, and to maybe hunt some of their property. How, how is it different when you're over in, the, in Colorado than compared to if you're hunting down in South Carolina? Yeah, that's a great point. And, and that one stings a little bit because that's <laughs> one of my you know stories I love to not tell and I wish uh, I could pull back. Um, but it's part of hunting, you know, it is. and it's beautiful land. I mean, to, to your point, the climate is so different. The terrain is so different. I mean, we're, we're hunting in an environment that's like 11,000 feet up, um, mountainous, you know, you're hiking it. It's very, very cold, tremendous winds. Um, so that's a lot different than hanging out in Chester, South Carolina, mm -hmm. when it's, you know, 50 degrees and not 20 degrees or yes, 15 below um, in, in a blind, you know. So, um, but yeah, we, we've, they've got great animals out there. We've had success spotting some, um, decent bull elk. And even like I said, had a, had a chance to shoot one. And unfortunately I, I missed them. I was, my excuse that day was the wind was blowing probably 40 miles an hour at us. Yeah. My hands were numb. It goes to one of those things where if you're not properly prepared, which I wasn't because I, we weren't really having much success. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of you know, not fully on my game, not fully ready, not fully clothed the way I should have been, didn't have all the proper gear. And, and, and you know, those little things pay off and can hurt you when the time comes and you're not, and you're not, um, 
you know, ready to take uh, advantage of that opportunity. And that's what happened. That, that kind of leads into the next thing, something you and I have both struggled with before when you have a hunt gone wrong or a hunt where you may miss a shot or not see anything at all. What are some ways that you kind of manage that? Because it's obviously a lot of disappointment when you go out to some place across the country and you're trying to hunt and you come back empty-handed. But what do you, how do you manage that or what do you take away from that still? Yeah, I think you have to, you know, you have to laugh about it. You have to take your lumps like I am today and, like, have to listen to Patrick Hobson and face him every time and say how I missed the animal. And, you know, that sits and that hurts. You know, you go, oh, I, I had my opportunity. Will I ever have that again? But I think about the fun we had together. I think about the dinners we grilled out, the conversations we had. And more importantly, if you do it enough, I just like being out there in nature and around the animals. I mean, 99% of the time I'm out in my land or anywhere else for that matter hunting, and I'm just excited to be, in the, be out there, clear my head, not play on my cell phone, and just watching the animals. So it's not up to me always about harvesting the animal. It's about being out there with nature and just enjoying that environment um, and those who you're experiencing that with. My dad says something that can really apply to that. He says it's called hunting, not shooting for a reason. That's right. So I think he's taught my, taught me as well just to really take value in your surroundings and really be able to take in where you are because it is really beautiful most of the time. So I think it's good that both of us can probably find value in that. And then so I heard you say something about in Colorado, you old girl out. And something we love to do in our house is when we shoot deer, we like to make venison jerky with it. Do you have any special dishes or meals that you like to make with anything that you shoot? Well, I've got a couple, I guess. Jerky's always been a good one for us, too, because we can utilize, uh, you know, a lot of meat that way, and, and you know, you can uh, cure it and dry it, and everybody seems to kind of like it. Um, another one I, I like is, and it's easy, is just doing um, chili with the ground mm -hmm. venison. You know, it's a great substitute for beef or pork, um, very lean, easy to break down when you put it in a pot with, you know, all the, the chili that you have, and you mm -hmm. can serve a lot of people with it. That's always been one I've enjoyed. And I'll tell you, recently I've been playing around. This year I happened to get a turkey as well, and I, um, I, I kind of, you know, breasted the, the, the turkey and cut it real thin and just grilled it, you know, real quickly on, you know, sauteed a little bit on the grill, um, and that tasted great. We just cut it real thin this time mm -hmm. and did it, you know, a little quicker than normal, and, um, you know, everybody seemed to like it. I, you know, I soaked it in Italian dressing for like three nights before to pull some of that game out, yes, as sir. you can appreciate too. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, those are kind of a few of them that we like. And so another thing that in my house we do with a lot of our animals is stuff them and put them up on the wall. Do you do that? And if so, are there any animals that you're really proud of that maybe you walk past every day and you're like, I shot that or I managed to hunt that down? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, well, I'm selective about what I shoot. So, mm -hmm. you know, of course I'll shoot does to thin out the population and help manage it. But we try to, you know, shoot the big older deer uh, as far as the bucks go. And I've, I've, you know, had my fair share of those. And um, it's funny, not all the time this happens, but my very first buck is actually my largest buck. And I ended up, it was just a great hunt down in Alabama. And it's a huge 11-pointer. Most people think it's a mule deer. And I shot it on a friend's property. And the poor guy's face about dropped because he's been, he's, I mean, we were, I don't know, 40. He was probably 50 at the time. And he's hunted that his whole life. And he's never even seen it animal that size so a, a part of me was super excited but also a little bit disappointed <laughs> yeah. because I could just see it like I wish that he would have gotten his deer on his property that he's been hunting for so long um, but I, I think any of them that you that you're working with a, a memorable one for me isn't my largest one it's probably my small smallest one that I did but I was with my youngest son Jack 
and he likes to go out and hunt similar like you do with your father and um we were hunting this day together in the afternoon and you know he spotted this buck in the woods kind of close by we had to stay real still and weighed him out because he was looking at us for about 20 minutes and he did a great job and we shot him and that's a a memorable moment for me because i always tell him he says that's his buck because it really was I, I know when I shot my first buck, it was a very special moment. I think back to it, and it's just like sitting in the stand with my dad, there's nothing better than after countless hunts before that where we may have, may have not seen anything. When you finally get that shot off and you finally see it drop, there's no better feeling in the world. And I can't even imagine it from being a father looking at his son do it because I'm sure that's something that you feel a lot of pride with and are really happy about as well. So Absolutely. I mean, it's it's great to get your – you know, I get my two boys involved. My daughter's even done some. She's growing out of her a little bit more than my boys. Um, but, you know, they love the opportunity to go out there, just be on the land, explore it too, um, you know, drive around the four-wheelers and learn what's going out there, look for sheds, uh, look for, you know, the, the deer game trails, and then just having a moment to sit in the stands with them and, and to watch them both in different last couple years that each took their first deer, which was we, we said, hey, your first deer's got to be a doe. And to watch them do that and see that experience they felt and, you know, just the adrenaline rush for them. But as you mentioned, for a father, I was really proud and excited that they wanted to partake in something that I love so much, too. Yes, sir. And I know with my sister and I, because my sister has done a little bit of hunting with my dad. Not not a ton, but she's done a little bit. And we have a pretty serious competition with it because her first time ever going out, she shot probably the biggest eight point I've ever seen. <laughs> So she's always holding that above me, always holding above my head and bragging about it. So there's clearly a little bit of competition. Do you, do you see any of that in your kids at all, or are they more looking at it for the sport and uh, personally? Oh, I think that's just the nature of all um, competitive kids and all of mm-hmm. us, right? I mean, as adults or any of us who have that competitive edge in us, and I do see it with my kids as well. Um, you know, they were they were checking the, the pictures that we took on our iPhones of us with their deer, and, you know, they were contemplating which doe was bigger and how yep. far, whose shot was farther, and then it was a matter of, well, whose shot was better placement. So um, there's a lot of that going on, and uh, I know they're eager to have, you know, their buck chance, which I told them w- would be this coming year. So, you, um, you know, it's just a fun time to get them out. It's great to see them enjoy it as well. I'm sure it is. I'm sure since you've been hunting for so long, you've had your fair share of the game kills or other smaller game and crazy encounters. Have have there been any stories that have maybe stuck with you as a favorite, just something maybe completely out of the ordinary or even not? Absolutely. Uh, one that comes to mind is, you know, we have kind of, I guess, the rule, it's a thought in our process of all guys who go hunt, um, that if you're out there and you see coyotes or any type of um, predator or bobcat, mm-hmm. you shoot those because they, you know, they kill the turkeys, they kill the baby fawns and run the deer off. And they're just, you know, bas- basically more of a nuisance and don't have another predator. So mm-hmm. I remember specifically this one morning I got out. I was a little late getting out. I dropped one of my son off to school. So I was not at dark. I was a little late getting in the stand. And I get in the stand and, you know, it just feels good. It's a little cut over in the morning. And, you know, the deer are kind of just it's going through the rut time. And you just will catch them passing through that mm-hmm. power line every so often. And lo and behold, I'm there probably 15 minutes into getting settled in, and I see a big coyote coming out, and, and he starts walking down. He's really close. He's hanging out, milling around in my area. And he gets a little closer, and I'm like, I, I, I'm just going to have to – got to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid that, hey, if I shoot this, is it going to mess up my whole hunt? Um because we've always had that thought, people in general, I go, they say, oh, if you shoot or if you kill a coyote there, then no deer is going to come out. So I shot it, 
killed him, he was there. And then lo and behold, I was like, well, I'll just wait it out for another hour, two hours. And just because it's early, I want to see how the hunt goes. Mm -hmm. And my biggest buck in the South Carolina area came by and I shot and killed him right there. So I had the coyote down and I had the, the buck down probably an hour and a half after literally 50 yards apart. And to your point, it was a neat special hunt. So I got them both stuffed and had them kind of together because oh, yeah. I look at them as like that was the duel and the whole way the hunt kind of worked out that day. That's pretty pretty unique. I don't I don't know many people that can say that they've downed a uh, coyote and a deer in the same field in the same afternoon. So well, like you said, it's easier to be lucky. It's better to be lucky than than good sometimes. And, oh yeah. And, and I tell people all the time, like with the success, like well, what makes you better than another? And for me, there's of course little things that we can talk about, right? You know, playing the wind right, knowing where the animals like to be, where they like to pattern, and so forth. But a lot of it is just time in the woods, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go out you know, twice a month and I go out 15 times a month, chances are I'm going to have a little bit more opportunity and um, better odds than, than the person who's not in the woods. So that's always the, kind of the tiebreaker, if you will. <laughs> so, what you're saying about luck just really stands out to me because I remember way back when when I was with my dad, we were sitting in the stand. My dad had fallen asleep right next to me. I was half dozing off. We were making a ton of noise. He was snoring. No chance a deer should have walked in and out comes a 10 point biggest deer I've ever shot just stood in the middle of the field no idea why we were there despite banging and banging on the stand you know shouldn't have happened but we just got lucky and we managed to have that deer walk into our field and where you were saying it's sometimes better to be lucky than good yeah absolutely and you remember those things right because so many times it's just a normal kind of hunt right mm -hmm. where you, things happen or they happen the way they should but when it happens kind of out of ordinary like that it's really memorable it is Next question is, I know you mentioned that you do a lot of deer hunting, and I, I heard you say something that sometimes we'll use a bow. Do you typically go with a rifle, or what's your favorite kind of weapon? Is it bow, rifle, or do you enjoy shooting birds with shotguns? Yeah, I like to do it all. Um, you know, I would say probably within the last 10 years, I got into bow hunting a lot for mm -hmm. deer. And so I, I, when I started getting into that, you know, obviously that season's earlier than rifle for us. So I always said, okay, it got me in the woods earlier, so that was why I kind of got into it. And um, it may be hotter in Hades out there at that point. You get eaten by bugs, but, you know, with that said, the deer haven't felt the pressure, right? So mm -hmm. you do have a lot more encounters up close with them, which is nice. And so I do start off bow hunting for that first month or so, and I've told myself I have broken my own rule at times, but I tell myself I want to get a doe or get one first with my bow before I pull my rifle out. So usually I try to get one mm -hmm. in that first month and a half of doe and harvest that with the bow. And then when rifle comes in, I, I pick up the rifle. Now, they have the black powder, as you know, in between yes, there. Sir. But I usually just hunt bow through black powder and go right into rifle when that's okay. Up. I keep hearing you um, referring back to harvesting, harvesting your kills. And so I know with us, we do it the wimpy way. We go to a processor. Do you do it? The same as us, where you get someone else to process your deer for you? Are you one of those guys that gets in there and does it yourself? A little bit of both. Um, so in, in certain aspects or areas where, the, where we are in hunting, there's a processor literally like a mouth on the road. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes a lot of sense, and it's very convenient, as you yeah. can imagine, right, to just take your deer, take it to the professional, and, you know, walk away. But with that said, there's nothing more, um, you know, I, I think just part of being – involved in the whole hunting process that getting your hands involved in it, learning how to do it. You have to know mm -hmm. how to do that, even if you don't do it all the time, because it makes sense to use a processor. 
but I do have a rack. I, you know, I do pull them up. I've done them with my sons. I want them to learn how to do it. And, you know, we work our way through it a lot of times, right? Um, but we'll quarter it up at least. And, you know, I'll take the back straps off too, and mm -hmm. I can deal with those myself. And then with the larger pieces, a lot of times we will go take that to the processor and let him, you know, fine tune those and vacuum pack them for us. But as far as cleaning the deer and doing all that, yeah, we, we do a lot of that. Because most, a lot of times, you know, you can't rely on that processor. The time you do is when they're full or booked or mm -hmm. something's come up. It take, took you longer to, to find your deer. Um, then you have time to go to the processor. So you really have to get that, you know, that deer kind of gutted and, and cleaned out so it won't spoil. Yes, sir. And I, I definitely admire you for that because that's a skill that I definitely need to get better at. In the we all do. Times. Trust oh, yeah. me, we all do. But I definitely know in the one or two times I've done it, it can be a lot of fun because even when it's real messy and not going perfectly, it's uh, it's one of those things you can just laugh about and have fun with. So yeah, I typically do those when I have a buddy around or mm -hmm. a friend. You know, a friend. Or so you want somebody else to kind of work you with it yeah. too, because it's a lot easier as you know going through life with those tasks where you got somebody else kind of lean on to help you out. And so wrapping it up, we just got one more question. Uh, living in the southeast, sometimes myself and I'm sure you have to travel a little bit to see or hunt certain animals. Are there any future hunts that you're interested on or planning, no matter how grand or big scale yeah I, th there is one I, I want i want to do a moose hunt with my brother and um you know the, the the top of the top would be if we could go out to alaska and do it but that might be a little bit more than we can bite off uh, but i have talked to some friends and uh, an uncle and a, and a cousin of mine who have done it up in maine and had really good success and then they've gone up and flown out to newfoundland and um you know had some really nice uh, bull up there and um so that that'd be one i like to try out um it's like anything else you want to take somebody with you who wants mm -hmm. to enjoy it with you so it, it's on my horizon I, I need to get that one scheduled because i've been kicking around for probably four or five years and you know i'm, I'm not getting any younger so it'd be good to get it done it definitely seems like one of those hunts that looking back if in 10 years if you end up not doing it it's one of those things you're definitely going to regret not doing so i'm sure that it's something that'll be really incredible if you're able to get it going yeah absolutely how about yourself do you have any of those on your uh hmm. I, list I, down the road honestly something similar to what you were saying mm -hmm. uh, just some really big game that is nowhere near the carolinas I, I, I would just love to get out and then i know my dad and i have been planning a duck hunting trip up to the dakotas oh sure i think we could be could be really fun to do as well so that's all I have for you today, Mr. Pylon. If you have any closing statements, you're welcome to. Well, Eddie, I appreciate you having me in to talk about something, a passion that I have and love. And, I mean, there's nothing else I'd rather do in free time than get out in the woods and enjoy being around hunting and the animals. And um, I would just encourage you to continue to do it. Keep talking about it. Encourage others who haven't been involved in it to see if you could take them out. I know I've had success bringing other people out who said, I would never go deer hunting with you. It would mm -hmm. be so boring. I couldn't sit in a deer stand. And now they're out there more than I am. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's something that we need to offer up to others and get them um, out to enjoy what we love so much too. Yes, sir. Well, thanks for stopping by the studio for this brief interview. And I hope you had some fun. To the listeners, thanks for tuning in. And once again, I'm Eddie Castles, and you're listening to An Idiot's Guide to Everything Hunting, a podcast where we discuss anything and everything having to do with hunting and the great outdoors.
Fishing holds something I hold very near and dear to my heart. Ever since I was a young child, I would spend weekends out on a, on a canoe with my dad looking for lunker bass. Just this past weekend, I shared a afternoon fishing with my buddies. I was using some bass poppers, trying to catch some bass on the fly. And although I was unsuccessful, I did catch a couple brim. Looking for more to come in the future. Tight lines, everyone. I love to saltwater fish. I associate that with relaxation and, and vacation and being with my family. So fishing just makes me excited. It's calm, it's fun. And if you catch a few, that's just a bonus.